everyone. Welcome back to the Intelligent Conversations podcast. Today, I have the honor to speak with Jason Bernard. Jason is a brand search engine results page guy or SERP guy. He is also an author, a digital marketing consultant, and much more. Jason is an enthusiastic guy and has experience as a punk folk musician, a blue dog, and even spent some time on a deserted island if you can correct me if I'm wrong there. So Jason, I want to thank you for coming on. This is an absolute pleasure. I mentioned this before we got started. I'm really excited to have you on today. But I like to usually Brilliant. Uh, introduce my guest by uh, asking what kind of got you into search engine results page all I, I mean I have nothing I have no clue what that even is like what kind of got you into that what exposed you to that type of field right. okay right after uh, the thing is I forget that people don't really necessarily understand I talk about this all day long so search engine results page for me is just so obvious and when I say SERP people say oh what does that mean <laughs> um, and it's on the book behind me the brand the fundamentals of brand SERPs and I assume people know know what SERP is search engine results page is what you see on Google when you make a search on Google so if you search for buy red shoes it's the result that you see on Google and then you click on a link and you go and buy your red shoes and you look incredibly great in them. And I specialize in the results that Google shows when people search a brand name or a person's name or a film name, uh, which is a little bit of a, a niche speciality. That's that's kind of cool. I mean, I I think Google, I mean, I've, I'm involved with a lot of uh, business, I would say I'm a business side of things. So I understand like kind of how Google operates. So it's 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 an interesting company, and I mean we can talk about that uh, as we you know kind of dive into this. But mm. I want to ask you this: What motivated you to like get into that field? What was the reasoning behind it? Was there like a mentor or an experience? What kind of got you into that? Yeah, I'd forgotten that was the question. It wasn't what is a search. <laughs> the question was how did I get into search engine results page? And the answer is this blue dog here. Huh. Um, you mentioned that I was doing cartoons, and this is the punk folk bass player. This is my life as a, as a kind of uh, an illustration, which is a lot of fun. It starts with my childhood as a punk in the countryside um, and moves through a counting horse, a dog playing, a wolf playing a double bass, blue dog in a koala, a big black evil dog, and a flying falcon, which is where I am now. Um, and I got into it because of the blue dog. Uh, my ex-wife and I... After being a punk folk musician at this point, I decided I wanted to be a children's musician. So I wrote some songs for kids and I pitched it to the record companies and they said, oh, we can't release that. You're a punk folk musician and people won't accept it. Mm. And my wife and I decided to create the Blue Dog and Yellow Koala. And she wrote a story around the world with Buwa and Koala in 12 songs. And she did a genius job of bringing together these 12 kind of disparate songs that I'd written and recorded and created a story out of them based on a blue dog, a big blue dog, which was me, and a small yellow koala, that was her. Uh, the big blue dog takes the yellow koala around the world, uh, and it was absolutely beautiful. And what we then did was, this was 1998, which shows how old I am. Hmm. And Google was just incorporated that year, and I made a website to show the songs and to show the story using Flash, 
uh, Adobe Flash, which was Macromedia yes. at the time, <laughs> and got into the web that way. And obviously, to get people onto the site, I needed to learn SEO. And I was either, is it lucky enough or intelligent enough to focus on Google? And I ended up with 5 million visits a month to this website for children aged up to 10 years old. That's that's incredible. That I mean, the story behind that too is so cool. I mean, I, I, I love <laughs> when people like what you were talking about, like create something from scratch and then go about doing that. So, I mean, you talked about the uh, Google, like that you had to do SEO to mm. kind of get into that. I kind of want to know, like, what... What kind of goes, what goes into that? I mean, I think a lot of people, all they see is you type in, I want to buy some shoes, like you said at the beginning, or I want to do this, or how to start a business, or whatever your question is. How does that, like, generate results? What's kind of the process that happens behind the scenes there? Yeah, well, I mean, Google obviously doesn't share how it figures this stuff out. But if we take a little step back and we look at what's happening, is Google's role or Google's aim is to get its users to the solution to their problem as efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. Every time you search into Google, you've got a question or a problem, and you're looking for the answer or the solution. And Google's job is to make sure that that movement from having a problem to finding the solution to that problem is as smooth as and efficient as it possibly can be. So they try to work out which page on the internet contains the solution to their the problem they're expressing when they've made the search. And back in the days of the blue dog, in my blue dog period, that would involve Google counting the number of times one of the words that the person had typed appeared on the page. Then it would count the number of links coming into mm-hmm. that page, and then it would put the one with the best balance of words and the best number of links at the top, and so on and so forth. And you know, you look back to 2008, which was when uh, I stopped doing this, we, Google was still basically just counting words in pages and counting the number of links mm-hmm. coming from one site onto that page. And the results weren't that brilliant, if you remember, which you might not, because you actually look very young, that <laughs> um, you would go through you know, the first five pages. You would keep clicking through on Google until you found something that was more or less what you were looking mm-hmm. for. And today, we expect Google to get that best result, the most efficient solution, or the most efficient route to the solution to our problem right at the top. Um, So the the world has changed, and that's where, uh, kind of from my perspective, things have got interesting. Counting words and counting links is boring. This is really interesting. I I 100% agree. The world is changing. It's getting a lot more, I I don't want to say complicated. When you mentioned... uh, Google in 2008. The funny thing is, is I actually don't remember a day without Google. <laughs> like it's, it's, oh, it's right. really Ooh. weird to me. I mean, I even talked to my parents and I'm like, what do you guys like do before, like pre Google, pre internet? Like, I don't know anything besides that. Like I was born in, I mean, I'll date myself here. I was born in 2002. I was like, Google was already wow. a company type thing. And I was six when you mentioned they were still counting all that numbers and I, I i remember like you you should have been watching the blue dog and the yellow koala i should have yeah you're exactly I, the right age for buwan koala i i probably should have been that guy i don't know i was still i was kind of into sports and all of that so i i didn't watch oh, right. too many cartoons when i was young i like the only thing i remember watching was i don't know if you're familiar was uh curious george <laughs> it was on tv though so yep that, that's the only like yeah, cartoon no. I really would watch. So, but yeah, I should. Right. I, well, okay. Well, 
But while Cruella is still there, so you can go and have a look and have a look and you'll you'll think my six-year-old self probably would have quite liked this. Oh, I 100%. Once this interview's done, I'm going to go check that out. I want to see what that is. And I bet I bet I probably would love that. That would be so cool. But uh, what, how, yeah, I, I kind of want to get back to this. How, how did things like change? Like what, what was the approach? Like, I mean, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't know if this is the right question I'm asking here, but how things change from just counting the links and the words that were typed in, what are they kind of doing today? What's, what's kind of changed? Cause you kind of mentioned that there. Right. Well, there are, there are multiple layers going on, and I'll try to kind of like explain them in a, in a way that makes sense. Is number one is we used to just have 10 blue links, which was basically mm -hmm. web pages you could visit to find the solution to your problem. And then they, they, they started uh, indexing, getting in, understanding videos and images and maps. And that's called universal search. And they brought all of that together so that then they started inserting the videos and the images and the maps into the results themselves. So today we don't really expect to see just the 10 blue links because the solution to my problem might be in a video. Mm -hmm. And I would like, as an ideal efficient solution for my problem, to click on the video and go straight to the video and get that answer in the video without having to scroll through the page and try and find it. So number one is Google has in introduced this idea of universal search, which is the universal different types of results that it can bring together. So it's kind of like it, it changed from this text-based list mm -hmm. to a multimedia presentation of potential solutions to your problems. And if you search for uh, a famous person, you'll see videos and images all over the place and a knowledge panel, which is Google's summary of what it understands about the person. You'll see that what it's trying to do is say, here are all the possible ways you can research this person. And you just click on the one that you think is the most uh, appropriate. And that's kind of where I come in. As I say to somebody, you want Google to present the content that you think represents you the best. Mm -hmm. And you can control what Google shows because Google wants to show your audience what your, what, what your audience is going to find valuable and helpful and interesting. And it's up to us as people, famous or not, to explain, to educate Google what our audience is actually interested in. And that's the, the, the cusp, no, it's not the cusp, it's the crux of everything that I do every day. So that's point number one. And then if we look at uh, the text kind of counting and link counting, is I mentioned that Google has a summary of the person, but what it's doing is building what we call a knowledge graph, which is basically an encyclopedia for machines that the machine can read and mm -hmm. understand. So it's moved from understand uh, from counting characters in a word, so J-A-S-O-N space B-A-R-N-A-R-D. Yes. It would just count that string of characters and say, okay, that page must be about Jason Barnard because it's got that string of characters 15 times. Now it says, I understand who Jason Barnard is and I can link all of that together. So it's not counting words, it's understanding the world like a child would. That's... Hmm. I don't know. Uh, for the listeners that are tuning in, I, I bet they probably have mixed feelings about that, right? Like, I mean, essentially, it's, I mean, I don't want to throw this word out there. It's essentially artificial intelligence, right? Like, yep, it is 100%. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, the whole thing is driven by what we, uh, let's say machine learning, artificial intelligence 
is something a little bit different in the sense that artificial intelligence is trying to emulate a human being. Mm -hmm. Machine learning is a machine trying to learn to do something a human being would do, but do it quicker, better, more efficiently. So we're talking about machine learning rather than artificial intelligence. So don't think this machine is actually a child and it's becoming incredibly <laughs> intelligent and we've got that freaky future that everybody thinks about. You have engineers at Google who give this child machine information they give it um, a mathematical set of formulas for it to work with, and they say that's the result we want. They give it examples of the result they're looking for, and the machine tries to figure out the best way to get to that result. Huh. Then what Google engineers do is they, t they analyze a big, 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 big set of the results, and they say, this was right, that's wrong, this is right, this is great, this is awful, this is bad, this isn't right, you've misunderstood here, and they feed it back into the child algorithm as corrective data. So they're constantly re-educating, correcting the child, and the child is constantly trying to get better and better at reaching that ultimate goal, which is get the user to the solution to their problem as efficiently as you possibly can. That's, I mean, ultimately that's, I mean, I'm looking at it maybe more from a business perspective, but that's business itself, is you're trying to solve problems in effective manner like that's and Google is one of the biggest companies in the world right because they're one of the best yep. at doing it so you kind of mentioned that I, I kind of want to backtrack here I you mentioned that you kind of are listed yourself on Google I kind of want to hear your thoughts on that because I remember back in the day my parents always told me hey search yourself up on Google just to see what's out there and mm. I don't know if that's still good advice but I also now as I'm getting older kind of want myself to be that top result so then people can see my work or they can see hey this is the job he does or this is yeah. his business or whatever like they can find me and essentially I could see it potentially being helpful if like someone like a business owner like myself were to type in where is an audio engineer or where do I find right and you're one of the top results I think that would right. be helpful or like I mean honestly they would just link you to LinkedIn and then you'd find them from there but yeah I want to kind of hear your thoughts on this what I mean back then right people said hey you don't want yourself on the back internet then. like keep all that information <laughs> but now it's almost the opposite what what do you think kind of happened there I kind of interested to hear your thoughts there right well there were kind of multiple questions in there but the, the first one is uh, you need to keep the digital footprint that you are comfortable with. So you share as much as you are comfortable with. Um, don't share in the, in the idea that, oh, I must be out there. Um, but the point we have here is that Google is so massively, massively big, and it's got so much technology and so much capacity to search the internet, get the internet. It pulls it all into this massive kind of like that database that what you put out there will be found by Google at some point. So you can't hide. So anything you put on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn or Crunchbase or on your own website or on somebody else's website or on a forum, Google will pick up on it. And there you have this machine that is now looking at it. And when you're writing, for example, on a forum and it says, oh, sign Jason Barnard, mm -hmm. it will think, oh, right, is that the Jason Barnard I remember from Buwan Kuala? And if it can make that connection, it understands that it's me talking about that. So it becomes, in Google's mind, part of my digital ecosystem that it's understood. And even if I've just put my handle, if it's Jason M. Barnard, 
it will probably figure out that that Jason M. Barnard handle is me, even if I don't put my name on it. So you have this kind of child that's going to be building up an understanding whether you like it or not. And my perspective is, obviously, we are going to be online. We can't completely hide. And one of the first things we all need to do, both for ourselves as individuals and for our business, is take control of what this child understands. Because what this child understands is what it's going to show people when they search your name, but it's also what the child will understand in terms of what you do and who your audience might be for that wider picture you talked about of ranking for finding an Audi dealer in your region. So one of the most important things that I'm trying to do is say search your name on Google mm -hmm. and see what it has found, see what it thinks is interesting, see what it thinks is important about what you're doing and then start to work to educate it, to teach it exactly what is interesting, what is important, and what you really want to get across to your audience. So it's about controlling your identity in Google's brain. That's, that, that was a great response. I think that was, it kind of touched on like, <laughs> no, I, I, I was blown away. That was a great, great response. I think, again, it shows maybe the importance of what you put out there. And uh, I don't know if you have time for something funny. So when I was back in high school, I actually searched yep. my name and there was this video that popped up and it was something I did, right? And I was like, I don't, I'm not even the one recording mm. it, right? And I was like, what the, like, how'd this get out type of thing? And I was like, I mean, it was something stupid that I was doing. I was like, oh, it's fine if people see it. I don't care. But I'm like, what the, mm. like, I don't even remember anyone recording this, anyone doing anything like yeah. that and I'm like and all of a sudden I see me right in a video doing something and I'm like well, this is kind of crazy <laughs> like that that this is on Google so sorry it's actually a really good point and I kind of interrupted you and I do apologize but I think it's a really important point to bring in I was talking about your own digital ecosystem that you create but you're right other people create things for your digital ecosystem and you can't change what people have put out there but what you can do is educate Google to understand that that isn't important and that what you're trying to get across is important. And it kind of creeps into online reputation management. And part of the trick, and it's the trick that I'm trying to learn as best I possibly can, is to make sure that Google understands, and this is absolutely fundamental, it's looking for what I call an entity home, which sounds a little bit kind of complicated, but it's basically where do you live online? Which is the website or the web page that represents you personally? So that when this child sees that information, that video, and it thinks, oh, I think that, that's the Josh I know. And it comes to the Josh I know's website mm -hmm. and it looks and it sees that it's not present there. And it says, oh, that probably isn't very important then. So your way of being able to educate and ultimately not obviously control but heavily influence this child that is Google and learning about you is to get it to understand which is your website so that it will always come back there to double check whether or not the things around the web about you are important or not to you. Um, obviously if it sees something in a massive new, the New York Times, yeah. and you don't talk about it on your entity home, it will still think it's important so you can't control it but certainly a very large level, the child is looking to you to tell it what's important, what's valuable, and what's helpful to your audience. That, okay, that's, thank you for clearing that up. I think a lot of people, that, that, that'll help answer some of their questions. Cause I mean, I, 
I mean, just everyday people, right, that are out there, I think they're a little concerned about that. It's something that is on their mind. They're like, I don't know if I'm getting recorded and something puts something on line. I remember uh, someone told me they're like, they they hate art. They're like, I would hate to grow up in your generation because everything's documented and published online. Hmm. But it kind of almost gives you some relief to say, hey, like you can kind of influence it. So then it shows like the true you, yeah. what you actually want to provide to the world, what what it is that you right. makes you valuable, I would say, instead of something stupid you did way back when. <laughs> I mean, it's still there. It's it's still there. And I think it can serve yeah. as a learning experience, but it also can kind of help yeah. you get that reputation, like you said, and show who you are. And, and, and one thing that that is in fact important i'm kind of starting to dig into is let's say that was posted on facebook um it still exists on facebook and people will still see it and potentially find it on facebook but you can definitely push it down get it out of the way on on google if that's what you aim to do and ironically just today i was doing some slides for a course an online course that i'm publishing about how to do this about how to get rid of the stuff you don't want <laughs> the negative content or the less than positive content but there's another really interesting point, and, and this takes it mind-blowingly far, is this idea of Google building a knowledge graph, i.e. building an understanding, an encyclopedic mm. understanding for a child algorithm, in order for that child algorithm then to serve its users to get them wherever they want them to go most efficiently. Facebook are doing it, Twitter are doing it, Apple are doing it, Amazon are doing it, Microsoft are doing it. All of these big tech companies are building these child machines that understand the world, that are aiming to understand you and aiming to use you to satisfy their users. So in fact, the, the, the Google as a child perspective that I'm using and how to educate it applies to all of these machines. So potentially you could figure out how to educate the Facebook child, the Twitter child, the Apple child, the Microsoft child, which I'm already doing, um, and the Amazon child as mm -hmm. well. So kind of this, this Google as a child just flies so high and it's mind-blowing to what extent my little niche is actually applicable to everybody everywhere online. Yeah, I, 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 I like that. That's, uh, you keep referring to Google as a child. Is that, I mean, I think I'm, I understand this, but just kind of clear this up with the audience here. What is it kind of like just a development like it's in its early stages? It's not even to where it can be right now. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's a child with an understanding of the world. I mean, let's take Wikipedia, for example, mm -hmm. which has like, oh, I can't remember how many facts it is in Wikipedia. Let's say 50 billion. I don't Something really know. Like that. The child has 100,000 billion. It's got so much more information in its little brain than Wikipedia. Wikipedia is peanuts. Next to, what, mm -hmm. next to what this child learns or knows. But even if the child's got 100,000 billion facts in its brain, it wants to understand absolutely everything in the world. It doesn't have an idea of notability. It has an idea of, I want to understand. So whoever you are, whatever your business is, uh, whatever record, you know, music albums, street names, houses, buildings, places, times, events, it wants to understand every single one of them. So that's absolutely massive and it its aim is pure understanding so from kind of that perspective it's a child that is learning in learning incredibly quickly and it is a child also don't forget with a perfect memory <laughs> it doesn't ever forget 
Imagine that. That would be so. <laughs> you have this child that is, and as we talked earlier on about machine learning, the more the Google engineers um, improve their own mathematical formulas to help the child, and the more they feed in this corrective data that helps the child understand where it's getting it right, where it's getting it wrong, and the more Google engineers find ways to feed the child information that is reliable the faster and the faster and the faster the child will learn. And a guy called Fabrice Canel, who's the head of Bing, Bing Bot, which is Microsoft's um, equivalent yeah. of Google, Bing, um, says that the intelligence of these machines is increasing exponentially. And he actually runs the part of Bing. Hmm. And he's saying, you know, we don't understand as human beings just how quickly this child is getting smarter and smarter and smarter. And it's exponential, which is this incredible, like hockey stick curve. And he says, you know, I'm, I'm actually building this thing and I find it stunning and a little bit frightening. Huh, frightening on the last part. How, how can it be frightening for some of the listeners here? I mean, they don't really know much. And then also well, how is it, how could it be scary, I guess? <laughs> I think kind of right. Uh, it's frightening simply by the speed. It's a mm -hmm. speed that we've never seen as human beings before. And it's a whole technological kind of area that we've never seen before. Looking back to the printed press, which was actually before my time in the 16th century <laughs> or 17th century, that was a massive, massive change where people didn't have to write by hand. It was printed so you mm -hmm. could duplicate and people could share information. This is equivalent, but even bigger. Yes. I would argue. Um, and the, the speed at which it's moving is what can potentially be frightening. How much these machines can digest and understand can be frightening, and how much they can get wrong is frightening. And from our little perspective of our little corner of the internet, the way we can deal with that fear is to think about the fact that the machine is getting smarter. Mm -hmm. We have a certain amount of control over what the machine sees, understands, and digests about us, and we need to start doing that now and not tomorrow. And if we can control today while the machine is still a small child learning, that information and that understanding about us and the confidence it has in that understanding about us will be so heavily anchored in its brain that we will have a much, much easier life later on when things do get really, really complicated. So I would suggest dealing with this situation now in a responsible manner, and that's important. Google is a child, we're the responsible adults. Mm -hmm. We're the ones educating it. And people who say to me, and I get this a lot, is yeah, but Google should just understand. Why is Google getting it wrong? And the answer is because you're explaining it badly. <laughs> interesting. Explain it better, Google will get it. Huh, that's, that's an interesting point. I mean, I kind of like the analogy you used there. It's it's really cool that you compare it to a child and then we're the adults right now. And because eventually, right, it's going to become that adult, right? And quite frankly, it's going to do things a lot better than we can. <laughs> and then we're going to be the old people, right, that the adults are going to have to take care of anyway, right? Like it's that middle range that they're taking care of us and it makes our lives hopefully easier. I mean, that's ultimately what we all want. We're mm. like, we're someone that if we can find an easier way, we always will take it. So I, I like that right. comparison you made there to that we're the adults right now and we need to actually influence the child. So then when we're yeah. older, it can actually take care of us. So sorry, did you have some thoughts right. there? No, no, I, I was kind of thinking as well, that idea, and I, I think I, I probably repeat it too many times, but I don't actually think you can, is that Google 
Google's looking after its users. Its users are its clients. That's how it makes money. Mm -hmm. And it wants to get them to their, the solution to their problem as efficiently as possible. And now our role is to make sure the, the machine understands and is confident it's understood when our solution is the best one. And that's the fundamental key. It's saying, if I can educate this child about who I am, what I do, and who my audience is, then it's able to present me to its users when they search for something for which I will be actually helpful and valuable to them. Um, and so kind of that understanding and the confidence it has in that understanding is fundamentally important. And then you move on to the next step, which is credibility. So if it's understood me and my competitor, mm -hmm. I need to convince this child that I'm a more credible solution, that if the child sends the user uh -huh. to me for the solution, that user will be happier with the solution I have provided or more satisfied than if it sends them to my competitor. So you have a, a concept of understanding credibility. And the third one is that the user is looking for a specific way to, to, to digest maybe the, the, the content. And Google's trying to find the best way for Google to deliver it. So you need to make sure that your content is in a format that suits Mm -hmm. Google in, in how it's trying to serve its, uh, its users. So I have a, a triple kind of idea, which is understanding credibility and suitability to Google's search engine results page. Okay, yeah, that's, that's great three points, by the way. That was, I think that's... It's, 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 so, it's all so simple. That's what I can't believe. <laughs> I've been doing this for 25 years, and it suddenly all seems very simple to me. Huh, that's... That's that's cool, and I I kind of want to uh, I want to drop the intelligent question of the of the day on you here, and it's I mean you you talked about those points those three points that you made, but what could so my audience is primarily I would say kids ages eighteen to twenty four, and then I have another audience size as well. But some of these kids are making decisions, right. they're making choices about what they want to do with their life, how maybe they want to appear online, how they want to internet to perceive them, Google to perceive them as well. Mm -hmm. And I would ask as the intelligent question of the day, how do you take that responsibility? How do you take that responsibility to nurture that child as Google? Google's a child. How do you nurture it right. and take that responsibility? So then once it's, you know, grown up, we can have an easier life. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's an intelligent question. It's, a, it's a, a, an incredibly important question, too. And the answer is incredibly simple, which is lovely. So that, that's a kind of lovely way to get through to the end of this. The first thing you need to do is we come back to what I was talking about, the entity home. You need to create a place on the web that you control 100 percent. Mm -hmm. where you can present and lay out to Google who you are, what you do, who your audience is, and what might be important to them, and what's important to you, of course. Uh, and interestingly, my nephew recently asked me to set him up a website. So we bought his domain name, which is his own name.com, or it could be his own name.person, or his own name.co, or yeah. his own name.whatever, or .me is another good one. And set up a simple WordPress website. You can do it on Wix. You can do it on Squarespace. You can do it on any of these platforms. But the, and it's only one page. Hmm. But it's one page where he says, this is my name. This is who I am. This is what I do. These are my social platforms. And this is the important content around me that you, Google, need to understand. And if people are searching my name, this is what you should be showing them. And so it's a really simple 
initial step today is to say, I make sure that I have one page on one website that I own 100% mm -hmm. where I can present this information and start educating the child. And one mistake a lot of people make is say, well, I use my Instagram account or my Facebook account. You don't own them. They can close your account. Mm -hmm. They can put anything they want on the account. It belongs to these big tech companies. Twitter, the same thing. Elon Musk buying out Twitter. If Google looks there for facts about you, you're in trouble, in my opinion. Facebook, the same thing. Instagram, the same thing. So the thing about the site, uh, let's say my site, jasonbarnard.com, mm -hmm. is it belongs to me and I can put whatever I want on there at any time. I can change it any time. And the child knows that when it comes back to this site, I am telling it my story in my words the way I want it to understand me and present me to my audience. And if you start that now, it's one simple page website making sure that you own the domain name. And a domain name, if you register it with somebody like GoDaddy or Hover.com, is $15 a year. Yeah, thank you. everyone that's listening. That's the intelligent answer of the day. That was, that was a great answer. Thank you. And I think that'll help uh, clear a lot of things up. I mean, you mentioned the social media platforms there. It's true. You don't own the content, the stuff that you put out there, I think. Like we've said, Instagram nope. at any moment can just say, hey, we don't like what you're putting, kill the account type of yep. thing. And that's, I mean, it's a little scary, but at the same time, I mean, I, I like what you said. You need to take 100% control and put your own mm. content out there and website, just simple right. one page saying that this is who I am. This is, if people search me up on Google, this is what I want people to know about me exactly so and and that's the simple intelligent answer to the intelligent incredibly important question you are <laughs> thank you i uh, I've, I've had a i've had a pleasure uh just learning from you i've definitely i mean a lot of people when they listen to this podcast they think that i know all the things that i'm asking i actually don't know a lot it's much <laughs> i learn just right. as much as they do it's a fun dynamic but I definitely learned Brilliant. stuff today. I'm sure the audience learned things today as well. But you mentioned, I mean, you have your cartoon. You have uh, your probably one-page website if people want, like, examples. Anything like that, what's yep. the best way that they can find that? What's the best way that they can get a hold of you if they want to do business with you or, you know, get some advice from you? What's the right. best way they can do that? Well, the really simple answer is you search my name, Jason Barnard, J-A-S-O-N space B-A-R-N-A-R-D. And what Google then shows you is my website, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, search engine journal articles, um, mm -hmm. and the book, and my courses, and my company. And basically, that allows you to choose how you want to engage with me. You can go and engage with me my company if you want to do business. You can visit my website if you want to understand more about me or read more about all this work that I'm doing. Uh, you can engage me on Twitter. And the idea there is that that's my business card. It's my Google business card. Search my name. You see my Google business card that I have designed to show you or give you the options of how you want to engage with me. I mean, if you're running a business like you are, I would honestly recommend the book. The book mm -hmm. is a really good introduction to this whole approach uh, that, that, that teaches you how to get into digital marketing without knowing anything about it, without knowing anything about Google or the technical aspects of it, and yet build an amazing, strong business online. It's, once again, it's simple, it's accessible, it's intelligent, and it's 
common good sense applied to great marketing. I recommend the book. All right. Yeah. Uh, and that can be found on Amazon, any other those platforms as well. Yeah. Okay, sweet. So yes, exactly. Thank you. Thank you for coming on, Jason. I've really enjoyed the conversation we've had today. I've like I said at, at just a minute ago, I've learned a lot. I hopefully maybe you learned something from me. I <laughs> I would hope you did. Maybe not. Yeah. But well, I, what I did learn is the intelligent, incredibly important question that I generally don't answer if people don't actually bring it up. And that's definitely a question I need to now bring into every conversation is how do we start and how do we start managing our own identity in Google's brain? But in all of these machines is we start with one page that we own where we represent ourselves in the best way we possibly can. Yes, that that right there is... Uh, that, that I could just cut so it off right me. there, and that's one of the most amazing. <laughs> that sums it up. I I love it. But no, uh, thank you, Jason, for coming on. It's been an absolute blast. Just thank you Thanks, so Josh. much. So everyone, thank you so much, Josh. That was absolutely brilliant. So everyone, that is Jason Bernard. As you can tell, he's a very intelligent person. Has great things to say. He dropped his information there. How you can find him. Uh, when I asked for the information there and you guys can go find him and engage with him how you guys want to stay tuned till next week. We have a great guest lined up for you guys as well. See you guys next week and let's get after it. Hey everyone. If you liked this episode and would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button. We release a new episode every Wednesday for you guys to listen to. Thank you guys so much for the support that you give. We could not have done this without you guys. If you would like to be a potential guest on the show, check out intelligentconvos.com and fill out the form there. Thank you guys again, and let's get after it.